I'm Susan Jacoby, and this is Conversations That Heal. Today, we're going to be talking about creating lasting relationships with our friends, our loved ones, our lovers, our family, but most importantly, ourselves. Our guest, Jeff Latin, is also known as your relationship architect. He is an internationally best-selling author, speaker, retreat leader, and sought-after relationship coach. For more than 20 years, he has been teaching couples and individuals how to build the relationship and life they truly deserve and desire. He has spoken at numerous live and online events. He is also proud of his accomplishment in building a marriage that is in its 34th year. His website is relationshiparchitect.com. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for being on Conversations That Heal. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Susan. And I just want to, since you were kind enough to mention the website, I just want to let everybody know it's actually yourrelationshiparchitect.com. And I'm thrilled to be here. Could you tell us like how you became a relationship architect? What what led you to this point? The relatively short answer would be that I got into it by spending, you know, from about 22 until I was 34. I spent my life in the corporate world living a path that I thought was the right one for me and later came to realize that it was more what my parents thought was a good one for me rather than what I really knew or believed. I got into this when I was in my early to mid-30s because uh, like any relationship or any situation in life, if we're not really congruent and aligned with our truth, life has a way of kind of pointing that out. And if you don't pay attention to its more gentle efforts to point that out, then it'll resort to more obvious <laughs> more obvious clues. And I waited for the two-by-four, um, a couple of them. And so after going through a period in when I was 35 where everything broke down, my body broke down, my inner world broke down, uh, I pretty much couldn't ignore that something was really out of whack with me. And in the process of finally getting around to doing healing work, you know, receiving healing work, doing a boatload of transformational work that I still continue to do all these years later. I just got reconnected to what I'd been passionate about even as a boy, which was listening to people, helping people, loving on people through my listening and through whatever advice I could offer them from a kid to now. And when I got reconnected with that passion, I just was able, with a lot of the trainers or the transformational modalities that I was involved with, I just had this habit of going, oh, I love this. Teach me how to do it. And spent years um, 
doing other people's work, getting trained in several different types of work. Um, and that was on top of my academic training to be a therapist, which I decided to never do. By the time I was just in the midst of all that, people started asking me to coach them, and I did that while I was in the corporate world for a while and then decided for my well-being at every level. I just had to jump off the cliff and go for it as a, a life path for me. So uh, then the other thing that got me into it is realizing how few people that I knew or even now know that have been in long-term relationships where they not only still love their partner, but they actually like them and that keep their relationship vital and alive. And so when I really realized that my wife and I are kind of a rare breed, uh, who was I to not share how we've been able to do that, how we continue to do that. I also decided that given all the trauma that I suffered as a child, um, I've long had a passion for helping people either heal from trauma or to try and avoid trauma. So I also got into this because the way that our children and grandchildren and future generations are going to hopefully not need people like me is going to be the work with the parents and the future parents of those kids um, to be healed and healthy so that they have a model that they can give their kids and grandkids for how it could be done more consciously. I totally agree with that. If we can start recognizing it at the adult level, then through the generations, hopefully, it will either decrease significantly or the blessing of all blessings is that it would not exist anymore, it being childhood traumas. You said something that kind of sparked my listening a little bit about how things are happening in your life that didn't fit in and, and you were constantly met up with like a two by four. Uh, before our show, Jeff and I were talking about where he lives and, you know, how his life was and everything. And it and I used to live in the same area. It reminded me when I was living there, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And <laughs> yep. I mean, it was just one thing after another major stuff, and I didn't get it at the time. And then one day I just, I did get it and I left. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I think it's really important for people to hear and and to think like, oh, I wonder if all of this is happening because I should be doing something else. Or I wonder if Jeff is my soft two by four, you know, bringing this into my awareness. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you're bringing up when we talk about relationships as well, because, you know, what I learned, it's interesting that you had those kinds of experiences, because when my wife and I moved to Colorado in 2000, where it looked like everything was perfectly lined up, then within a couple, three months, everything fell apart, and it was one of the most difficult and painful and frightening periods where it really did seem like nothing 
was going right, with the exception of our relationship, but all the other circumstances were going to hell in a handbasket. And none of it, anything that could have been predicted or even I would have even thought to plan for. And that same thing happens in our relationship sometimes, where it could be as dramatic as somebody having, you know, you find out your partner's having an affair, or several guys I remember in the corporate world who were workaholics that would come into work one day looking devastated, and I'd say, what's wrong? And say, well, my wife just left me. They were absolutely blindsided by something that had they been paying any attention at all, they would have seen that there was really trouble. So I think a, a big part of what you've got to have to have the most conscious and healthy relationship is you've got to have an incredibly flexible relationship with, how do I want to say this, have a great relationship to change. If you want a relationship that is based on what some of us might remember from our high school yearbooks, you know. Hey, Susan, you're a wonderful person. Stay that way. That kind of thing can easily and insidiously work its way into a relationship where we want, when it's really good, we want it to not change. I mean, not all of us, obviously. I'm somebody who always wants it to change for the better. But a lot of people that I work with, um, they get really thrown by oh, my partner's changing. They're they're different. They want different things. It's not like it was when we first got together. That's probably one of the healthiest things that could happen. But if you have a, a really fearful and avoidant relationship with change and growth, you're going to be hard-pressed to have a conscious and fulfilling relationship. As I was preparing for our show today, I did go to your uh, website, of course, and and I was really struck by how many testimonials you have from single people, you know, doing the work um, on themselves. And what you're saying, you know, about the change, I mean, I think that really starts with being willing to uh, change your patterns. And I think it has more to do with awareness um, than anything else. Yeah, I think, I mean, because, you know, one of the things that you and I wanted to talk about today was, you know, what are some of the keys to being able to have in my world of relationship architecture, quote-unquote, and fitting with my book that came out last summer, uh, which is Built to Last, Designing and Maintaining a Passionate, Loving, and Lasting Relationship. What really drove the book was wanting to try and be able to encapsulate some of the key things that, in my experience and through my experience with all my clients over the years, one of the most important things that you have to have in your, I'll just say your tool belt, is you have to be self-aware. The men I told you about a few minutes ago that... The guys who would come to work one day in total devastation because their they just found out their marriage was over. If you're really self-aware, then it would be so hard to miss 
the level of disconnect that has to happen in a relationship before somebody's going to leave or have an affair or whatever. Because I look at relationship as the most potent growth path for a human being um, and a spiritual being, having a human experience. You've got to be aware of your patterns, your habits, the the choices that you're constantly making, often and unconsciously. The subconscious and unconscious choices we make, particularly when we're not very self-aware, that if you start getting self-aware, you can find out what those subconscious choices are by just looking at how it's all playing out in your life. And that's why you notice a lot of singles that have done testimonials is as many couples as I work with. I work with a lot of people who are, in a way, they're kind of waking up to the importance of self-awareness for themselves because they're noticing, wow, I've just broken up with my fourth relationship in five years. Hmm. I bet there's a common denominator in there. There must be, because it keeps happening. And I wonder what that common denominator is. They've figured out that it's them. (laughs) And so they come to that realization that if I really want a great relationship, I guess I have to look at what is it in me that I'm not seeing that has me just repeat the same thing over and over again with the same outcome over and over again. And I want more than that. Self-awareness is a crucial first step. You're right. I think it's important to uh, remind the listeners to hear like, you know, you're saying, oh, well, it must be something wrong with me because I'm the common denominator or whatever your, your decision is. There is a huge window of opportunity in there to go two ways. One, you could be um, extremely hard on yourself and judgmental and just fly down the rabbit hole, as I call it. Um, Or you can look, yep. Or you could look at it and it takes um, a lot of awareness and compassion, I think, to look at it and see it as an opportunity, uh, as a way to grow. Um, and, And I know, you know, that must sound to some people, that must sound like, are you kidding me? You know, because I probably would have said that, the me who hadn't gotten the information and the healing work 10 years ago. Are there like any, I don't want to call them tools, but maybe loving advice that you could give to somebody who is at that point why it's important to focus on this is an opportunity as opposed to going down the rabbit hole? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one, I think it's important to recognize that when you have put together the common denominator to how your life is working or not working well, you know, well for you. Whenever you notice that, you've already gotten aware and and you put together that, well, I'm the common denominator because it's my life. This is what I'm creating. Then you've already begun down a mandatory step to be able to improve it and, and grow 
past what you're, you know, wherever you might feel stuck. And that's to be aware. Okay, I have an issue. I don't tend to language it like, okay, there's something wrong with you, because any of us, and I know that you work with trauma, as do I, a traumatized person doesn't need to have anything that supports the notion that they're broken. So there's not anything wrong with you. There's something that is wrong with what you were taught and with the patterns that you didn't even realize when you were a kid that you were taking on. So when you realize you've got a problem, then you've already kind of conquered the first crucial step that if you don't ever do, nothing's going to change. And that just is to, like 12-step programs, I have an issue and it's bigger than anything I can handle by myself. One of the first things I think that when you have that realization and if you're clear, and I emphasize you have to be clear that you're really ready to get uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as your patterns have made you, it's as or more uncomfortable to shift them. The payoff is certainly worth it. It can be, you know, very threatening to the ego to change any of this stuff. So once you decide you're going to do that, one of the most important steps that I wish I had taken many, many years before I finally did was get somebody to help you. A lot of people will say, well, I've been reading a lot of books, and I have a book out, so I'm not going to knock books, but you can read a hundred books that tell you what you could do, but it's like when you buy 15 tour books to plan your next vacation and you decide where you're going, if you're going to a place you've never been, you're likely to want to have a tour guide or at least somebody there that can orient you to what you don't know um, so you can get more out of your trip. I highly recommend that as a first step because having somebody that is really going to be, and I'm not just saying that because I do this, this is something I would tell people at this point in my life if I wasn't a coach, is you can't do it by yourself. And that is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of defect. It's simply, I'm 58. So, you know, you guys can listen to part of what I'm saying. It's just raw life experience. You can't do it alone. Either because you need support or you need people that are going to tell you what you need to hear versus what you want to hear and help, you know, mirror what you don't know that you don't know. I would get a coach. If for some reason that's something you're not ready to do, then the next thing that you do is, whether you're a man or a woman, um, and this could be scary for some, go find a woman's group or a men's group. Get yourself in a group of conscious people, preferably some that you can just tell from talking to them and feeling into them that, you know, they're no better than you. They just might be a bit farther ahead. They might be a little bit further along the path. And they might be embodying energies and feelings and qualities that you really admire and think that I don't know how to get there. Hang around with people that are there 
And a great place to do that is a women's group or a men's group that um, are populated by people that are really committed to looking at themselves as beings committed to growing and are going to be aware of, you know, they're willing to look at their stuff as unvarnished as they possibly can and not let where, it stop them. Where would you suggest people look to find groups like that? There are a couple of starting points that I took advantage of when I was going through that period in my mid-30s. There's an organization for men that's called the Mankind Project, and their website is mankindproject.org. They've been around close to 30 years, and um, I did their, they have a three-day training or two-day training called the New Warrior Training Adventure. I did that in 2000, changed my life. But they also have men's groups in all throughout the United States that are free. So I love that it's a resource where men who may want to evolve and wake up but don't may not have much money, then they can go there and start getting awakened. And for women, there's a sister organization called Women Within. And they have a training that from every woman I've recommended doing it that did it, was fabulous, and they also have women's groups in many parts of the country that are also free. You're not required to do their training, but these are women that are really, really conscious, juicy, committed to growth. That's one avenue. Then another one is if you belong to a church of some kind. A lot of churches will have men's or women's groups that are, you know, available to people. And then another path is go on to meetup.com and search for conscious men's group or conscious women's group. And you'll find meetups that you could go check out. So those are probably the best starting points. Jeff, we have a caller, so let's see how we can support him or her. Hi, welcome to Conversations at Heal. This is Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Rick. Hi, Rick. Well, I'm just calling How can in. How help you? Um, well, me and my wife have a loving relationship. Been married for eight years now, and uh, I'm just, I want to keep evolving and keep striving to love her and give her as much as I can. And I'm just always looking for ways that I can improve on that. Hi, Rick. This is Jeff. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Number one, I really love that you want to be that kind of a man and that kind of a husband. So hats off to you for loving your wife and yourself enough to want to do that. A couple ideas that I could offer you to get you started on how to keep growing One would be, as I was mentioning a few minutes ago, maybe you and your wife, if she's also, if she likes to grow and evolve, then the two of you could look at men's and women's groups that might be in your area that you could each check out, and if you like them, 
that you share with each other, you know, how you're experiencing them and what they're opening up in each of you. Because the important thing to get what you want, Rick, is you've got to keep opening. You know, humans have a tendency to like to stay just so or to close down when things are tough. And the trick is to always keep opening. And that's one way. Yeah, I I completely agree. And as my wife is of that same mindset um, as I, which is uh, the only way to to continue to grow and evolve is you have to be open-minded and if you if you're in your relationship if you if you close your mind to new things and and the ability to grow, I think you would become stagnant and i I definitely want to take the steps necessary to prevent that well, that would be one way, and another thing there's no way to avoid the reality that I have a book, and so I didn't come on not to mention the book. So the other thing that you, I'd invite you to do together is you can get my book, which, again, is called Built to Last. It's on Amazon, and you can get it either in paperback or you can get it ebook form. I'd invite you and your wife to go through that book, work that book together. And then, of course, if it resonates with you and your, you and your wife both find it really helpful, there's a lot of other material in the book that you can get once you bought it that gives you some other tools that you can use. And then, of course, you can always reach out to me and and ask me for more pointers. Okay. Well, we'll definitely go to Amazon and we'll Great. check out your book and um, work the steps. Yeah. Yeah, and, there you go. And just, and just kind of go from there. Um, like I said, I'm just, you know, we... We we tend to, uh, or at least myself, I, I I'm always searching for for new insight and outside knowledge, and uh, in order to grow. So good for you. That it, quality it, that it, will make a marriage work. Well, thank you. And my contact information, by the way, is at the end of the book. So when you read it please feel free to drop me an email and let me know, you know, what you thought of it. I'd love to hear, you know, the thing when you write a book, you don't always get to know its impact. I'd be honored to hear how it may have served your wife and yourself. Jeff, thank you for um, the information. I think that 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 will serve Rick and his wife very well. I love that experience that a man calls in. If we had more men that were that devoted, and women, uh, I think our world would be a little more kind. At the end of our show, um, Jeff is going to be sharing his free gift. I wanted to remind the listeners about that. Before we get there, I, I have some more questions for you, Jeff. That is, how do you help your clients relearn how to listen to others? And um, how to listen to themselves. And and I'm a big component of learning how to trust yourself. Right. Well, one of the one of the best tools for that is one of the first things I do is work with people about how to get reconnected on an ongoing basis to their body. Because 
any any picture of ourselves that we solely rely on our mind to paint for us, we're already in trouble because our minds are, number one, liars. Our mind will lie to us until the cows come home. Not because it's evil or not because it is unkind, but nobody gets through their childhood unwounded. Some worse than others. So there's an interesting statistic that on average, 95% of the time, we're running around making our choices in our life day to day, responding and reacting to things day to day from all our subconscious programming that was fairly well all tied up in a neat little bundle by the time we're seven. 95% of the time, on average, some more, some less, but on average, several studies come pretty much to that number. So the mind runs the programming. The body can respond to that programming, but in and of itself, the body is incapable of lying. The body gives us straight, unadorned, unedited feedback. One of the things that, particularly when someone doesn't trust themselves, much less has trust issues, they probably are challenged to do that because they're living totally in their head and believing too much of what their head is telling them, particularly all the stuff we make up about why that guy looked at us funny or why that woman said this to me when I asked her out. We're all, you know, on top of all that programming, we're running around making stuff up every single day. The body can't make stuff up. That's really the first step is you have to get to know your body. You have to get in it. So one of my best tools that I use every day is meditation, but it can be yoga. It could be dance. It could be anything that requires you to really use all your body. It's going to help you get reacquainted with it because when we're traumatized, one of the first things we do is we go out of our body to just cope. And a lot of people that had seemingly endless trauma in their past, then being out of your body is the safest place to be. Job one is to find your pathway to get back in there. And then when you learn to read your body more effectively, like what part of my body tells me, uh-oh, danger, danger, or where in my body when I feel safe and when I'm trusting my body and I'm connecting with someone I love, like my wife, and I want to open, how do I know it's, it's safe for me to do that? Well, it's because in the case of my body, it'll be because I get a really warm feeling in my chest, for example, and I can feel the energy in my chest not only being warm, but it's expansive. Whereas if I walk into a room and I see somebody that for whatever reason I may never know is n feels dangerous to me, everything contracts. And so my chest tightens up. I might feel my face going flush. Learning to read 
your body accurately is probably the most important initial step that I do with people or encourage people to do if they ask me, what can I do, but they're not ready to, you know, work with me. I say, go do that. Go find, um, get involved in yoga, certainly to do meditation, but go find an energy worker. Um, There's a modality that I like quite a lot called somatic experiencing. That's a a trauma modality that is completely body-based. And it's not analytical, it's not therapy. It just goes in to where energies are locked up in the body and helps you unlock them. So for somebody who might really be, you know, majorly in their head and disconnected from their body, that could be a really great way to begin rediscovering parts of yourself that once you rediscover them, you're going to start trusting yourself again because we have trouble with trust because we're not listening to our body. Can you say that again, that it wasn't a therapy, it was a way to get back into your body? Right, it was somatic, yeah, somatic experiencing, and um, if you Google, I don't have their website, uh, I want to say it might be trauma.org, but don't trust me on that. But if anybody Googles somatic experiencing, which was work created by Peter Levine, who's one of the preeminent gurus of trauma work of the last 30, 40 years, you can go on there and um, search for practitioners in your area because there are people that have been certified worldwide. Thank you for for sharing that again because it sounded really important and I yep. wanted to make sure that everyone picked it up. I want to switch gears a little bit. Sure. Have you walked us through this idea of designing, building, and maintaining a relationship? and how they all relate to the goal of a healthy relationship. And as you're walking us through this, I think it's valuable for our listeners to keep in mind that this pertains to the relationship with yourself and also with your spouse or whoever, your child, whoever it may be. It all begins with our relationship with ourselves. There's no... There's no other starting point that really works because how we relate to ourselves is how we're going to relate to our kids or our friends or a lover spouse. So to try and condense something that we could spend a year talking about into a few minutes, I would say that the approach of even looking at self-relationship and relationship with others as something to design and build and maintain. It struck me that really having gone through building a house when we moved to where we live now, it was our first time in 30 some odd years that we actually were able to get a lot and build build our own home. It struck me how similar it is when you want to build a home you got to figure out what is it that you want in that home. What kind of home? How big a home? Um, do you want a ranch or do you style or do you want a two-story home or you know what is it you want and what is it that you want to be able to feel and experience when you're in that home? 
when you know what that is, then you hire an architect and they take what you want and they come up with some design concepts. You get to pick which one resonates with your heart. And if you're a couple, then you got to find what resonates enough for both of you together as well as individually. And then you go, okay, great, there's our design. Then you got to build it. You got to get the land ready. You got to get the foundation put in. And then you build it. And then you pick what what are you going to put on the walls and what kind of fabrics, materials, finishes are you going to have in the kitchen, etc. When I look back on my marriage, my relationship with my wife, if we had known to do that early on, like to actually design. So when I say design a relationship, that's literally like, what do you want? What do you want in a relationship? Why do you even want a relationship? I don't mean, I don't mean that to say, why would you want one? It's why is it important to you, to each of you? And if we're talking about your relationship to you, if your life is more often than not really fulfilling, you notice you're happy most of the time and you're feeling great, well then you've stumbled onto a design that works for you. You're conscious of what that is and you're conscious of what works for you. You're conscious about what your values are, what your priorities are, and then what you want in that house of your relationship with yourself. So I know for me, what I want in my personal relationship to myself is I want integrity and I want compassion and I want being loving and I want respect coming from and to me. Those are all elements of my relationship with me that when I don't have, I'm not a happy camper. And when we're talking about relationship with you know, a partner or even with our kids, for example, as well, you got to know what kind of parent do you want to be? What are your values as a couple that you want to make available to your children? What's going to be the, what's your parenting style? That leads to compatibility. You know, another aspect is you've got to know what works for you to know if someone else you're thinking about being with as a lover or a partner, if they're really going to be compatible. Because if you just rely on hormones and sexual attraction, which most of us do initially, that wears off. And if that's the sole thing that has you go, oh, you complete me, you're more than likely going to be really disappointed in about a year. Designing it is getting to know what you want, what you need, what's negotiable, what isn't for your well-being with self and other. The building part is getting the foundation built, so that's the place where you also look at like when I work with people and we're in that stage, we're looking at all the other relationships they've had that didn't work. And what had them not work? What are the patterns? So it's almost like in a real house house, you got to inspect the land where you're going to build the foundation and then the building inspector comes and makes sure there's no crack in the foundation. So you got to look at it all. Then you can start picking what you want to be adding to it, like what kind of house environment or living environment do you like? 
What about family, your family of origin? How important is it for each of you to be near your family of origin? How, what's your relationship with family of origin? And whether you're with a partner or not, that is a huge uh, chapter eight in my book for those of you who might be inclined to get it. The role of our families of origin cannot be uh, understated about how critical it is to the success of any kind of relationship. When you kind of get it built and you know what really works and you're sure you're on the same page in terms of values and priority, then maintaining it involves really learning how to recognize when there's a problem, embracing that problems are a critical part of any relationship growing, including with yourself, that you find the best ways for you to deal with conflict, to deal with change and co-create a relationship to change that is positive and seen as nothing but an opportunity. I can see that we can do a whole show on on all that information. I, yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking of all these questions, and I was like, oh, I better just be still so that you can get it all in for for all the listeners. Well, that, always happy to you. come back. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for being so <laughs> thorough on that. Sure. Now, for all the information that you've shared with us, what would you say your final thoughts are to um, our listeners for them to be able to walk away with all this great information? So a, a few quick things. Um, one being that what I would always recommend as a first step period is to really gauge how well do you know yourself. You're like me. It gets pretty easy, particularly when you've lived a while like I have. It gets easy to say I know myself pretty well. And I thought that when I was a young man, and I can look back now and really realize I didn't know squat about myself for the most part. So to really, you know, take kind of a, it's almost like one of the 12 steps, you know, to take a fearless moral inventory, to look at, in this time and space, how's my life working? What's working for me? What isn't? You look at what isn't from a perspective that absolutely nobody but you is responsible for what isn't working. It could be because of what you don't know, so it's not like you're screwing up and causing it not to work. It's more likely that there's just parts of yourself that you can rediscover and reown and integrate, and then you have more clarity. So it always starts with, What's your life showing you that your relationship with you and your partner, if you have one, and your kids, if you have them, how it's going is all the printout you need to know how effective and satisfying it is. When you get that there's room for improvement, one of the, the second thing I'd say, if I never could say another thing to anybody, is... Do everything you can to get out of you're the way you are because it's all been done to you. To take ownership back of you're a hundred you, me, everybody on this planet is a hundred percent at cause for how their life is showing up. 
And it took me until I was about 50 to really get that. Once I got it, it made an enormous difference in the quality of my life. It doesn't mean that crappy stuff doesn't happen or that you don't feel bad. But it's so much better when you really realize, oh, okay, I have something I need to adjust. This is about me, not anybody else. And then the third piece, the final piece, I'd say, uh, as a parting map, um, is just to go back again to you realize something needs to shift. You're not sure what it is or you are, but you don't know how to get there. Certainly, if nothing else, um, find books that might be able to kind of give you a, a broad map um, and some you know, good tips about how to get there. And that's definitely part of why I wrote my book and why I think it's been a bestseller. You know, you're welcome to pick up my book. Pick up other books, too, that might speak to you. Get other perspectives, but don't give up. That's really probably, I could sum it all up there, that if you want to be happier, then don't give up on your commitment to do whatever it takes to get where you want to go. I totally agree with that. It reminds me when I was in the, the depths of my healing how many times I um, almost did give up and and just wanted to give up so badly, like I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and there was always my therapist, you know, people close to me that almost hang on to me, hang on to my finger. You know, sometimes that's all there was metaphorically. So I totally agree with you. You know, if you give up, you will never know what, was on the other side and that feeling is short term so I think that's really important put another way it's almost like doing everything you can um, and when you can't to get the support to help you it it's so much about remembering that the worst of times will pass and if you can get yes. through the rough times then there's always gold on the other side. It strikes me. So many people, will you'll hear them say like, well, yeah, you know, the past, but, you know, what if it gets worse? Or what if this happens? Or what if that happens? You know, you can play the what if games for the rest of your life. But the truth is, is that um, even if that does happen, uh, you aren't the same person that you were when, say, it's repeating um, history. And right. and so you can look at it differently and and become aware and, and just learn to uh, trust yourself a little bit. Yeah, I think that's really important. Well, we're running um, short on time right now. Can you tell us about your gift? Yeah, yeah. So... For those that hear this show, whether you're listening live right now or go to the archive and you listen to it another time, I have a four-part class that I'm offering you that would normally cost you $400. And it is called Four Fatal Relationship Design Flaws and How to Avoid Them to take advantage of that, to get that for yourself, where you can either stream it or you can download it and play it at your convenience. You 
want to go to yourrelationshiparchitect.com, and that's two R's, so Y-O-U-R, then the word relationship, and then architect, A-R-C-H-I-P-E-C-T.com, forward slash conversations that heal. If you go to that link, then you'll see a little note from me that is written just to Susan's audience and any of my my tribe that are listening in or listening. And um, you just put in your name and your email address, and then it takes you right to the page where you can download all four parts. It's really, if I say so myself, and I am, it's a great <laughs> class that really gives you, you know, I talk about really kind of four of the biggest mistakes that people unknowingly make, that if you know what to watch out for and you do what I include in there as steps to take to avoid them, you're going to have a much higher chance of having, you know, a really conscious and fulfilling relationship. That's, again, yourrelationshiparchitect.com forward slash conversations that heal. And then if you really want to look more closely, specifically at your relationship or relationships, if you're in between one at the moment, um, you can also just go to my homepage at yourrelationshiparchitect.com and there's a big box on the right that says relationship design review. So you're also welcome to click on that box and request a session with me that I cover the cost of where you can look at happening in your specific life and what could be tweaked to get you much more in the direction that you would like things to be. Thank you so much for being on our show and all the gifts that you have brought us. Um, I want to remind everyone, you can go to my website, SusanJacoby.com, for my 11 Tools for Happiness. Remember, Conversations That Heal is on iTunes, and you're welcome to follow us on Blog Talk Radio. Remember that you are all lovable and capable human beings. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal.